Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 52. With me tonight, the High Papist of the Reform Conference of 1842 Church of Atheism, Kimberly. Hey everybody. And also a professional pareidolia analyst, Mac. Yes. Hey. <laughs> and our host in exile, Eric. Blessed be. And the man who's got nothing on, Dirk Diggler. Shut your mouth. Ian, <laughs> I am the kind of man that will smack you with the tuna, Brian. How is everybody okay. this evening? <laughs> well, Brian, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. <laughs> uh, not even a tuna fish? Yeah. How is everybody doing? Uh, doing great. Right. Uh, we have added to the family this week. I was telling you guys earlier about uh, Tango, our conure, who has just come into our come into our house and is already ruling my life. <laughs> so, so now you have a wife and a bird to rule your life. Yes. Is your conure from the east or from the west? <laughs> no, we actually nixed the name Conure West. <laughs> Plus, I'm pretty sure it's trademarked. We also nixed Conure McLeod and Sarah Conure. all right well let's get on to some announcements all right straight to them i'll go through them real quick uh tomorrow night which is going to be tuesday uh the 7th we're gearing up for a planning meeting for the skeptic camp in colorado um will happen probably sometime i guess early summer i don't know the dates i'll have more information after the planning meeting i suppose on Thursday the 9th, the Boulder, Boulder Apologetics um, group I've talked about before is going to be doing questions on the doctrine of hell and the unevangelized. And i got to tell you guys, I, I don't know if I can do this crap anymore with them. Really? Yeah, I think I, I'm I, – I mean, with, a, with a topic like that, I, I just don't think I can attend. So um, I'll see. I'll see what happens on Thursday. You probably just have to send your apologies. Maybe. <laughs> So, Sunday the 12th, um, I think it's going to be a real fun meeting for the Humanists of Colorado. There's a group called Move to Amend, and it's talking about the recent changes that have happened that have allowed corporations to spend indiscriminately on politics um, and an effort to change that, especially this year. I think that's an important one. Monday, February 13th, uh, we've mentioned before at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, it's Darwin Day with Sean B. Carroll, who is apparently a very big author in uh, evolution. So he will be there presenting, which should be great. I've got tickets for that one, so I'm excited for that. Um, on that, uh, Kimberly, let me just, just in real, real quick, on that move to amend, I personally do not believe that politicians can be bought. I believe they can be rented, however. Oh, just rented. Just rent. Them. I think. I think once you get into some people's hands, I think you may be there for life. I think there's there'd be a very good argument for say, like you know, a politician who thinks they're doing the greater good and they'll kind of get bought this time to do something good with the efforts. I don't think they ever come back out of it. So I, I think you might. I think they might rent to own. <laughs> That's a possibility. <laughs> and then they just All come right. out of the closet later, and nobody wants them. <laughs> <laughs> So continuing with announcements, <laughs> on Wednesday the 15th, we've got Neil deGrasse Tyson here at CU. Um, there's going to be a dinner beforehand. On Saturday the 18th, uh, mile high, or yeah, Mile High Skeptics are going to be drinking skeptically. That should be a fun one. On Sunday the 19th, uh, you can take your hangover over to Brooklyn's for Eudaimonia. 
Uh, this one's going to be about bringing your own false idols, basically the kind of stuff that you, despite all of your non-beliefs or whatnot, may actually kind of believe in. Should be an interesting one. The eudaimonians usually are. And finally, on Tuesday, the 21st, Cafe Sci is doing a presentation on do, eco economics, do economics need ethics? So we'll see how that goes. That's over at the Wine Coop. And on and the, that oh, is your announcements. Yep. And Go on ahead. the 25th will be the IIG meeting. And we'll be talking about three of our projects, um, that we want to get going. We, we want to, um, we want to look at some pet psychics. We have some, uh, some claims about water that we want to investigate. And maybe it's just the, oh, and, uh, of course, you know, our paranormal research project that we want to, uh, Get moving on. So we, we've got some stuff that we want to get moving on with the IIG. We've got some project ideas. So hopefully we can. We, we've got to buckle down now. It's time, and I gotta. I gotta start pushing. So yeah, you also need to put it up on Meetup. Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> All right, and uh, we're gonna move on here. And uh, uh, apparently, I have a. I have to admit a mistake I made. Well. Well, oh, I was just wondering one? if anyone's called you on this yet. It's been like, a month now, so I don't know. Yeah, they, they had, but apparently I was wrong. In Star Trek, they did go to the galactic core. I, okay. I, was about how I thought they stayed in like, our area of the galaxy, but apparently in Star Trek, they did make it to the galactic core. I was wrong. I apologize. Because <laughs> that's where God lives. Uh, you know what? And if people knew their fustry, they would, uh, um, they, they would have already known that. So... And so, I admit I was wrong. Yeah, that's what I forgot. I got called out on it. So, all I know is that you don't try jumping through a worm wormhole during a solar flare because you end up in nineteen in the nineteen sixties. All right. You know how bad thing? Thing? <laughs> and so the the other thing that happened, uh, I was uh, oh, yeah. uh, came out last week. I was on the uh, uh, Invisible Sky Monsters Monsters podcast, the one that I chastised uh, Kimberly for going on. Uh, I was on last week, and uh, so Dumbass and I have been fighting over Kimberly, and that man slapped me with his glove. So in retaliation, because it's only fair, I hit him with a tuna. He has challenged me to a duel in the Thunderdome for Kimberly's affections, to which I readily accepted, and I will... Except, and when he hears back from uh, the Santa Monica Advent Center, also commonly known as the Thunderdome, it's on. We, we're we're going to go. <laughs> and uh, Kimberly, since you're apparently the prize in this, uh, are you yes. all for it or what? I, uh, I've i already kind of sent my regrets that no matter when it is, I will not be attending uh, because I will be trying to reestablish my credibility as a feminist because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm apparently not doing so well falling into these archaic tropes but uh it's 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 I'm, I'm i'm embarrassed to say a little bit flattering um i think they're completely insane but um it has been a very fun running joke uh with dumbass and and now tuna wielding brian <laughs> where, i don't where know did how you get jennifer feels about I, all this but uh where, where did i <laughs> where did i get it or where did i come up with it you just happen to have a tuna with you? I, I just I keep one in my pocket, sir. Wow, you have enormous pockets. <laughs> That's Brian, what they tell me. I'll have to uh, I'll have to teach you how to sharpen a frozen tuna into a shiv. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kimberly, even if you choose not to participate, 
we will fight to the death over you anyway, or at least until one of us is wounded. That would probably be acceptable. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very fun little dialogue going back and forth. It was a very fun episode to listen to too. So, um, definitely go out there, go download it. I think you'll have a good time. Dumbass is pretty funny guy. I'm just picturing uh, puke and snot at the end of their performance at the Renaissance Festival, where they've both wounded each other fatally, and. They're sitting there going, you know, your hair and your fingernails grow for weeks after you die. The other guy says, yeah, but your phone calls taper off. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. the um, the other guest host on that was Sarah Mayhew, and uh, she's done a lot of stuff. She's uh, um, She has a TED Talk that you can go and find. She's a really interesting person, um, much more uh, skeptical cred than I, and, you know, she – so she she was able to give a, a laundry list of, of stuff that she has done that I had to follow somehow. <laughs> poorly. I had to follow poorly, I should say. So she's she's pretty neat. Um and I you know, I haven't really checked out her um her manga art stuff that she does. I looked at some of the artwork and stuff like that, so but I definitely wanna um wanna get that and uh take a look at it. My wife really likes manga, so that'll that'll work out too. But uh, she's pretty neat. Hey, you got your news and my science. You got your science in my news. It's science news. So, so tell me, um, if uh, if you see shadows on uh, on a planet, a distant planet, well, what is the first assumption you should make about those shadows? Well, okay, okay. Basically, the, the the story we're referring to is Russian scientist claims scorpion-like alien found on Venus. NASA disagrees. So back in '82, the Russians sent a probe to Venus. Um, now you have to take understand that all the probes that have ever been sent to Venus have lasted maybe an hour or two inside the atmosphere before they basically melt down to nothing. <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they, no, no probe has ever survived going to Venus. We've gotten some stuff back, but very little. And, you know, it, it's a pretty chaotic atmosphere. From the surface. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we, we have probes, probes in orbit. go into the, the atmosphere and, you know, right. land, but they don't survive. You can't, you know. So anyways, apparently, back in 82... They got the, some video from it, and they've not talked about it till then, which I find interesting. You know. But um, according to Leonid Kasfalmilti, yeah, yeah, I'm sure your pronunciation is Kassan excellent. Okay, well, he said, from yes. the Space, Russian Institute, Space Research Institute of the Russian Academy of Sciences, um, he published an analysis of the video, and he basically claimed that there was a creature moving around um, for, I think he said, 26 minutes that you can see this thing moving around, and he believes it to be a life form. And basically everyone else has come out saying, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it, um, it's a disc-shaped object and a black patch. <laughs> you know, it, it basically, from the sound of it, there was no real details you could make of it. You know, there is an atmosphere there, so, you know, you do have, like, wind and stuff going on, so uh, it, it is, I, I think it's rather absurd to automatically assume that it's a creature. It could be something being you know, blown around by the wind and stuff. So it, it's an interesting little thing, one of those things where, you know, real scientists are making bizarre claims, which does happen. Is this for attention? You know, why? Don't know, but, you know... The video is out there. I actually couldn't find the video online, but I'm sure someone probably knows how to if they really looked into it. 
But so yeah, needless to say, NASA's you know saying no, we, we don't believe that. You know, looking at rational, much more rational uh, reasoning as to what's causing it. So, so I mean, here's the thing: we we don't know what's on the surface, right? So it's just not completely impossible. But, but it gets up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, our our our, our metal probes are being basically incinerated, <laughs> you know, melted down to nothing. Because, you know, they can't withstand... Uh, hold on a minute. At 800 degrees Fahrenheit? Oh, well, maybe not metal. They, basically, they can't work. We send them in... Okay. You know, I was going to say, the metal won't necessarily yeah. melt at 800 degrees, the inside but I can are. see the electronics failing. <laughs> right. the, the insides are basically... And acid rain and gravity. There's a lot. You know, Venus is not hospitable. <laughs> At right. least, as far as we know. So, yeah. for any life that so, we know about, uh, we also, as far as we, as far as we know, isn't the atmosphere caustic, which could also affect our probes. Sure. Oh, yeah, that, that, it, it is not <laughs> nice there. For, uh, you know, so the idea that something could could live there is, you know, admittedly not completely out of the realm of possibility, but well, it would have to be life other than what we understand. Way other than what we understand. Yeah. But so, I think your original like point the link that, that I just seeing, posted in Skype. Go ahead, Kimberly. Oh, but just seeing like a little bit of a dot kind of move across a grainy picture. Yeah. Coming up with the conclusion, therefore, we found life on Venus seems yeah. a little extreme. Yeah, well, we absolutely. To, yeah, and especially since all every single video or picture we ever get from space is always in black and white. Always, even if, if they colorize it afterwards, but everything we get from space is in black and white to begin with. So there is a certain lack of detail, especially, you know, we're talking about 1982. Yeah. You know, this was 30 years ago. The technology then was not going to be anywhere near as great, good as we have now. And even now, while we're getting some great pictures from Mars and stuff, you know, even that is not, you know, your perfect digital stuff that we, you know, get with the cameras. So, you know, you're talking about 30 years ago, what was coming back probably didn't have much detail to it. No, I would tend to agree that there's probably it's probably nothing. So, so if uh if you have a snake that's too big, I, I think the optimal thing to do is to uh, uh talk about it, it in the latter part of the podcast. Yeah, well, and to let it go in the Everglades. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Oh, you're talking about an actual. Snake. I was talking Never about an actual snake. I w- I wasn't talking about a trouser snake. Um, if that snake gets so big that you got to let it go, <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say for you. But uh, the Everglades have got a serious problem right now um, because a lot of these um, hobbyists have uh, have let their uh, their pet pythons go, and probably it's not just pythons. There's probably I would imagine large boas and stuff, but definitely the uh, um, reticulated and Burmese pythons have uh, have successfully been able to breed in the Everglades. I'm I'm pretty sure that it's both species. I know for sure Burmese pythons and. Am I wrong? These pythons, yellow anacondas, and two other invasive constrictors are okay. invaded the park. So there you go, boas and pythons. Uh, and so they're, they're a little concerned about the um, uh, the wildlife and that. They, they said that some, some of these species have dropped 30%, some of the mammals. Well, the first picture they show, they have um, three people holding a 15-foot-long Burmese python weighing yeah. more than 160 pounds that was captured in the Everglades. Its stomach contained a six-foot gator. Yes, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So they're, they're a little concerned because certainly the ecology of this area is changing because of oh, yeah. these evasive species. They, they have set up shop here and they're doing quite well. Deer, raccoons, um, you know, wh- whatever they can. What's that? Rabbits. Rabbits. Sure. You know, but I mean, 
man, some of these things, but yeah, they, and even, uh, but the alligators, you know, there's, there's kind of a draw, kind of a draw there, um, as to if it eats an alligator, whether or not it will be able to keep that meal. And, uh, the next picture or the next, uh, you know, uh, the next one in here is a, is a, uh, is a gator that basically tried to claw its way out of a snake. Okay. Well, is the snake not, is the gator not, uh, suffocated before it tries to eat it? Well, that's a good question. I'm not, yeah, that, you Remember, know. Ga- gators are amphibious. So, you know, they probably well, ga- can hold their breath for quite a while. Right. But uh, they can hold their breath for quite a while. But one of the things that the python does is it squeezes the breath out of the creature that it's, that it's, I mean, we're talking about some incredible muscle action. Yeah, I well, don't, if you I, don't ex- in exhale, then there's no constriction. It moves in when you move in, and you can't move mm-hmm. back out again. Okay, that's a good point. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for clarifying that. Right. Yeah, and I know the, uh, the one thing with um, gators is their main strength is actually when the cl- jaws close, not when they open. Right. So, you know, it, 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 they actually might have been kind of passive and just let, let itself get swallowed and figured, you know... Right, but as I remember, I, these these animals, some of them can kind of go into a hibernation state. So yeah. if it was holding its breath and it slowed down its heartbeat enough, the you know the snake might have thought it was it, it was dead and tried to eat it, and then it woke up in the snake. I don't think that that's completely out of the realm of possibility. Am am I off my rocker, Eric? I don't believe. I don't know. It okay. doesn't sound too plausible. Okay, so I think that's what happened here. So. So the, I mean, the, so there is a chance that, you know, some of these species will, you know, I mean, they, they're going to kind of duel it out. Um, yeah. so, but the, I mean, gators are not going to be the big loser here. It looks like it's, it's other mammals. Yeah. So something I found interesting. Yeah. Well, it the is thing is, well, this is caused by man. This type of stuff has happened in nature before without our, you know, being anywhere near it. Oh, well, no, but. So, you know, there is a level of this is the way nature works. Well, sure. We just, in this case, happened to kind of altered it ourselves. But you know, you you, the, the, I don't know how much we could do to stop it at this point. It's almost one of those things that you have to let play out and yeah. let it find its own balance. Well, we have a basic. We carbs. wiped out other alpha predators from the United States in the past, so it's possible. Yeah, the jaguar are gone. Be, you this, know, time, we, this time we do it not to protect our livestock, but to protect wild stock. Yeah. I mean, we, we, the reason that there's no jaguar left in, here in the United States is because we hunted them all. So. The puma and the bobcat are way down. They're way down. Yeah. So. Now, um, something interesting, and I, I need to check this and verify it, but it's, it's possible that in Texas, it looks like sugar gliders that have gotten loose, Australian sugar gliders that have gotten loose from being people's pets may be thriving. Guy has a video of, uh, sugar gliders basically Taking over his bird feeder and emptying it, so the environment the environment is similar enough in Texas to the Australian outback that it's livable. So, Hmm. well, and you know, of course, we have zebra mussels. You know that that uh, in the Great Lakes we have um, an invasive carp species. I think it's even we've got snakeheads. So. Uh, a lot of this kind of stuff that we've in, introduced to the environment, um, and you know, even in uh, in Australia, didn't they uh, um, bring in cats to deal with um, a rodent population? Now they got a, cat, a feral cat problem, something like that. So I mean, so sometimes it's intentional. It's a whole series of events with Australia. Well, yeah, okay, so there's a bunch bring of them in, there. Bring in the rabbits, bring in the foxes to deal with the rabbits, and you get the foxes. Okay, <laughs> Just so keeps it rolling over. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so. All right. So, uh, I guess it's time for a uh, lesson in confirmation bias, Kimberly. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I put this in because I just thought it was really funny to find. Um, the article is called Low IQ and Conservative, excuse me, Conservative Beliefs Linked to Prejudice. Um, so they did a study and um, basically found that people who have extremist views about racism or really conservative uh, values have tested at lower IQs than people with more progressive or liberal views. Um, they go into a lot of detail about how the studies were done and stuff, and uh, they they do point out that this is correlation, not causation. As much as I'd love to have that definitive, you know, if you believe this, you are dumb. But uh, I will, I will grant that that's not what is proven here. But I thought it was just really, it was just a fun article, very interesting. Some of the things I thought were really great about the article was again how it how it really talked about this is what the research says, and this is what the research does not say. Again, just kind of cautioning us about making you know, huge leaps when when some data comes in. There's lots of possibilities as to causation. There's no way to really control for any of this stuff. I thought I did a good job with that. One of the things that I picked out was, it, it was kind of talking about people just taking extreme views. And they said, in other words, it might not be a particular ideology that is linked to stupidity, but extremist views in general. And that was, I, I thought, just a, a good way of kind of putting it that, People who are not open to change, who aren't open to taking new data in and adjusting their worldview, probably do have probably a lower intelligence level, the way we understand intelligence, and just like things to be simpler. So yeah, but, but there are some there are some flaws with the IQ test system, though, too, and well, in in what it actually tests. I know that they've been trying some other different things. There's a lot of focus now on emotional IQ instead of the straight IQ test. It's it's trying to understand not only what you know, but how you know it and how you relate to it. The other thing is we've seen studies in the past that show that smart people are able to talk themselves into into ideas that aren't rational. Smart people who believe in ghosts and religion and stuff like that and they're and they're and they're better at convincing themselves of these things because they are smarter and, and can better at convincing other people. So They have better arguments for their own minds. Exactly. And I, I did like the point that it made. It's like, listen, I mean, so they're talking in generalities, but it's like, so in general, uh, men are taller than women statistically. But that doesn't mean if you grab two random uh, or grab a random man and a random woman that, you know, that you might not find a shorter man and a taller woman. So Particularly if one of the men is Danny, if the man is Danny DeVito. There you go. You'll probably get slapped if you just grab a random man and a random woman. Probably you. You might you get know. slapped. Yeah. But that pertains more to the latter part of the show, anyway. And right, exactly. And what you're filming at the time. All right. Let's move on to some religious news. Well, I'm not religious, man. But I'm spiritual. Well, this is follow-up to some of the stuff that's been going on for a while now. But, with you know, we you have over the you know, last few decades more and more claims of sexual abuse by the Catholic Church. Well, apparently this one Catholic group is calling those child rape victims a pitiful bunch of malcontents. Um, Classy. No, okay, but here's the thing. Here, mm. Let's remember who this is. This is 
yes. uh, Bill Donahue, the same, the, the same adopt an atheist guy. Yeah. But, um, basically the Catholic League, uh, who Bill Donahue's the president of, has called, um, the victims of priest abuse, pitiful moods, malcontents, and professional victims. Uh, and apparently he's been saying a lot of stuff. Just basically, it, it's kind of sad because it, it doesn't defend what was done, but he's, I guess they seem to think it is like, oh, well, just, yeah, yeah, it happened, you know, all these years ago. Just, why do you guys keep bringing it up? Just so. His advice to people who've been sexually abused and had their lives damaged by that is to suck it up? Pretty much. You know, okay. how, how dare they okay. think that they should come back and try and stop it from happening to other people? Okay, but let's, let's try, up or wait, shut up. Let's try okay. to make one of his points here. One of his points is that, that all this stuff is, is all of a sudden coming out and that, it, that, that maybe it's not real. You know, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's being overblown. So I had three questions because that's kind of where I felt like he was coming from that, that this is ridiculous and overblown. Is, is, uh, child molestation more common in the Catholic Church or in the Protestant churches? You know, or is it about the same there? And is it more prevalent in churches than it is in the general population? And I really could not get to the bottom of those answers. That's why I put the things in there that I did to show that this is not just the Catholic Church. We've got a lot of this going in in Protestant churches, right. and it's even more underreported in Protestant churches, it seems like, than it is in Catholic churches. But the Catholic churches, it's, it is rampant. At least yeah. the reported, you know, just the reported cases. Yeah, well, cases. one time with Catholic churches, there is a history of them covering up. There is a history of them basically, okay, well, the bishop's doing it here. We'll move them to another place. And he starts doing it there. You know, I, I don't the, – the Protestant church, if they're doing that, they haven't gotten as much publicity about doing it as the Catholic church has. Right, but um, it's still happening yeah, I, I, even in the Protestant churches, and and I wanted to make sure that we made that point that this is not just the Catholic Church. This happens yeah. with you know the Baptists and the Lutherans and and all these yeah. other and, sects. But part of it is you know you get these people in such a position of authority as a priest and stuff, where you you basically are telling your kids this person is perfect. You should do everything they say, and if this person who is human has you know something wrong up there. And yet these kids are being told, oh, I have to do whatever this perfect person says. You know, you open the door for all sorts of stuff. I, you know, I don't care who it is. You tell your kids, listen, if that guy's going to tell you to do something you're not comfortable with, you say no. <laughs> you know, it, that, that's how they should be taught, but they're not. I, I, I've seen it. You know, the priests are supposed to be these perfect things that you hold up above everyone else. And you are supposed to listen to everything they say, and they're not supposed to make a mistake. Uh, don't you think that that's a failure of expectation then? Because here's the thing is that we're expecting people to act above people, right. to act more moral than everybody else. And the fact of the matter is that in the end, we're all people. So I think that part of this is, you know, our expectations are flawed. Well, they're also expecting priests to basically subvert a natural instinct and when you subvert a natural instinct, the more you the more you subvert it, the more it's going to come out in unusual ways. Okay, that's an interesting claim, and and I would I would love I'd like to see more statistics on that because I, I can see where you might want to make that claim. But just because I'm repressing my sexuality doesn't mean that it should make me more likely to molest a child. I, I think that there's a disconnect there. And it's an opinion that I'm stating. Oh, and that yeah. and that's fine. But let, let's make I mean okay. So that that's fine if that if that's an opinion. But you're not, not so but it, Brian, it is, 
you're not repressing your sexuality. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no, not at all. Yeah, and, and so you that, don't know either. Oh, yeah, I yeah, agree. But, yeah. Okay, that's and that's a good point because I, I'm, I'm not repressing my sexuality, and I have no intentions to. Yeah. And Mac, you, what were you saying has logic to it, and I, I think we all can agree that we could see the reasoning behind it. But that I, I agree with Brian. That doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So you know, the the opinion is based on a very logical, rational way of thinking, but. Yeah. Uh, it, it's whether or not we can prove it is the issue. Yeah, and the, the Catholic Church, I think, has gotten into so much problems here because uh, um, I, I certainly think that any kind of um, you know molestation of children is is pretty much the worst crime you could possibly commit. And they are right when they point out that this is not something that only happens in Catholic churches. Like you say, it happens in other um, other denominations. It happens in other places. I mean, you could have. You know, this happened anywhere in a school, in Boy Scouts, any place where you put adults and children in the same place, you can only do so much, right, to to ensure the safety of everybody involved. You know, you can do your background checks and stuff like that to make it as safe as possible, but anytime you walk out of your door, you assume some risks. So I get what they're saying there. My feeling with the Catholic Church is that they have taken this worst offense possible and the circumstances have gotten even worse because, as Ian pointed out, they're moving priests around. They're hiding the evidence. They have this attitude of, we don't need to answer to anybody, that yeah. you shouldn't complain if this happens. Um, and, and you know, as was also pointed out, these are people in a position of authority, not just authority over your life, but over your soul and your entire immortal existence if you buy into all this shit, which is why it's so dangerous. So, you know, you are taught to follow these directions. This is this is your conduit to God. So if it seems a little bit strange, well God works in mysterious ways. So it, it all reinforces itself and it's I think a new level of insidious that does I mean this this sounds horrible, does beat out a different form of sexual molestation. I'm certainly not giving anybody a free pass here. Do not say not, I'm saying that. Not all that new, though. No, well, but, not a but new it's an form. abuse. It's an abuse of power. That, it is. Well, you know, it, it, it's the entire reason it's so terrible. It, it, it just compounds it. It makes it even a bad situation, even right. worse to, to the nth degree. And again, like you say, the Catholics get it, get it maybe even more because they do have this power structure, this hierarchy, yep. and the corruption seems to go all the way to the top. Yeah, and, and then what you have is you have the higher-up Catholics almost defending it, I'm trying to blow it off, mm -hmm. pretend it's nothing to make a big deal about. It's like, I, I don't care if it's more common or less common, it's still something you need to make a big deal about and address. Say, okay, we will do what we can to stop it. It's just saying, well, I don't know if it really happened, uh, maybe right. they're just looking for attention, you know, but it's like, no, you don't, you know, to react to it that way shows that you guys really are not understanding the true issue here. Yeah. 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 So I, I put a couple of things in there just to show that, you know, that, that the reporting yeah. is going on in the uh, Protestant churches as well. And, uh, but it was interesting just how high the claims were, um, in, uh, in the Catholic church in one year, uh, actually in just one, uh, I think this was just in Ireland. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pretty rough. So, yeah. all right. And one of the, one of the articles talked about 260 sex abuse cases a year that they hear of. And I just put in the statistic without even going into holidays as to what days you get off. If you just exclude weekends, there's 261 business days a year. So let's say that's all your chances to report it. That averages to one a day. Yeah. 
This that isn't, was, I mean, that's, that, oh, that's that just was, so terrible. <laughs> that was the Protestant churches, um, from 2007, the reporting from 2007, in which they thought I the also, statistic was it was, uh, was at least only, uh, only half of the actual cases that had happened got reported. They figured it was double the actual, um, abuses. Yeah. Although, although, you know, to point out that that's kind of a, a tough claim to really kind of, yeah. um, Say, because, yeah, how do we know what the real rate of not reporting is? I agree it's probably – I think there's a lot of people who go to their grave with knowledge that they, they never share with anybody. It's, it's so traumatizing yeah. that they don't. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just a tough one to prove. The other thing I found really interesting in the articles, and I, I don't know that I 100% believe them, was that the rates have stayed steady for 30 years. Now that suggests that there has not been this um hysterical um reaction, you know, like that since these news reports have come out and since we're talking about it more in the last ten years than we did over the last thirty, it's not like all all people are rushing to make these claims. It's it made it sound like, you know, it's been the same number kind of constantly. Which means one, they haven't put anything into place that has quelled it. Two it doesn't sound like it's a hysterical reaction, like, you know, everybody wants to go out and get their own accusation in there or anything like that. It it, it tends to make me think that, that they're more legit because you're not seeing this hysterical following, you know, this this mass kind of thing. Um, but I, I'm also really surprised at that just because we do hear so much more about it now. I do think we live in a culture where it would be reported more often today right. than it would have been 30 years ago. Well, and yet the I, numbers have changed. Um, when I talk with my grandparents and stuff, you got the impression that their generation would very much hide something like that. You you don't talk about it. You know, if it happens, you kind of look the other way and, you know, because it, 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 it would shame the family and stuff. Nowadays, we don't have that mentality. We very much say, no, no, no. We don't give a damn about the family. You fucked up. <laughs> You know, to the child molesters, we're, we're going to go after you. Yeah. And yep. there really is a different mentality there. And I think that plays a huge role in the fact that we don't let this stuff um, happen. We come in and say, no, we're not worried about um, what our neighbors are going to think. We're worried about what the hell actually is going on. Yeah. All right. Okay, so let's, uh, moving on, uh, do atheists so, need a temple? Kimberly, Kimberly, oh, is yeah. your atheist temple going to look as pretty as this one in Britain? The the Black Tower one? I hope so. You mean the, so the, the kind of uh spiraled window thing? Is that is that is that what yeah. it is? The one that kinda of looks like a uh a dildo? <laughs> yeah. Or a vibrator? Are you, My that's, eyes just kinda keep the... following it to the tip. You're yeah, you're talking about the government building there. Is that that's the government the, building? The... The, oh, so that that's the government building. Yeah, no, that's yeah. not the that's not the proposed temple. That is uh, London's um is it the new parliament? No, I don't think so. But I don't know what I it is. I think they call I it the Gherkin. Gherkin. I've night. seen it in shows. Really? Well, it it, it yes. looks like a vibrator. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to get we'll What's hear. on your mind? No, I don't know. <laughs> just I'm just saying. That's the next story. Hold on just a minute. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> All right. So, do I need Almost an atheist there? temple? <laughs> <sighs> All right, Kimberly. Tell me about it. Actually, this is my article. Oh, this is yours? Uh, the, yeah, the Atheist Temple. You know what? Nobody's uh, names are on these things. Is that why? Because you didn't put your name on anything? I, put, I thought I put my name on these. No. But doesn't matter. 
That's um, why I thought it was Kimberly. Basically, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. They're essentially Alan de, de Botton announced plans to build an atheist temple in the United Kingdom. He's got it dedicated to the idea of, of idea of perspective. It's going to scale forty six meters with each centimeter honoring Earth's age of 4.6 billion years. He's also got a book coming out called Religion for Atheists, um, pointing to design, art, and community to inspire and attract a following. He hopes to create a number of such atheist temples. Now, one of the interesting things about this is that I don't know if this is a serious intention to build an atheist temple or if this is a attempt to essentially spark discussion because you know that's got a poll out now the uh, guardian in britain has got a poll out saying do atheists need a temple and dawkins richard dawkins is condemning the idea saying that it's a waste of money and a contradiction of terms so uh, i guess the question is i'm with dawkins I just read an article that was talking about um, atheism in America and how um, basically they are the bottom rung um, in how we are treated. Um, you know, they are viewed as the really immoral ones. You, you know, worse than honestly, right now it's worse than homosexual, worse than Muslim, worse than any of those. If you come out as an atheist in the wrong community, you will basically be shunned. You will find that you know you you can't get the right jobs. You can't you know you cannot function. And the one thing that um, came out was these atheists are using the internet to find you know other atheists to communicate with now. And the there is a sense of um um community building up due to the need for this and. I think that it might actually be something needed in that regard to build that sense of community in order to say, hey, listen, you are part of a real community. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to be in the closet about it. Because, you know... And make a community center. Yes. And a temple might not be the right name for it, but (laughs) I think that may be the only thing that's kind of off. Otherwise, it actually makes sense. There are some people that think that, you know, atheism is a religion. And you say, atheism's not religion, and now they can say, you have a temple. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing, we're working on this here in Colorado. We're working on a space, you know, that, that is gonna be a, you know, more of a secular atheist space that, um, that we're gonna have that, you know, that'll be in a building for us, you know, to, to build that sense of community. But quite frankly, if they called it a temple, uh, I wouldn't participate. Yeah. So the main flaw there is calling it a temple. But saying we are gonna build, uh, uh, atheist meeting place would sound a lot better. You know, although maybe we need to come up with our own terminology now. You know, what is our equivalent? Uh, it's but, it's a room uh, <laughs> with booze. It's not just a room. It's I not like just the word, a room at all. I like the word tabernacle personally. <laughs> I like the but word bar. We're almost at the. Uh, we are at a point where we, as a community, can start coming. You know, if. if you have a temple, you have um, a church, you have all these other things. They, they've all come up with their own terminology for their places to be. We need to invent our own terminology. We need to say, hey, wait, we're going to come up with our own um, lexicon of what, you know, what our stuff is, what what is meaningful to us. We can do that. And, well, uh, and we, we call should. it a synagogue. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or we can just call ourselves brights. 
Well, hold what? on before before we go off on this. All whole right. Thing, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot here. I mean, yeah. I will agree that Temple is probably not a great name because of some of the connotations involved. However, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a matter of, um, you know, I, I do kind of get where the guy's coming from. He's talking about a temple mm-hmm. being basically a place to to congregate and to show what you idealize, reason. Uh, free thinking, all that kind of stuff. Because um, atheists so I need a place it. to gather and not pray. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, in my opinion, absolutely we do. I'm we okay need a that. place that we have a community built. And I will further go on and say, this is this is kind of like when we get into like the gay marriage kind of questions. Um, should we just have it separate but equal? You guys can have temples, we'll have hoogamongs. I mean, why do we need a new fucking name? Why can't we use the same kind of name to express the fact that this is a place where we gather, where we find community, where we discuss the things that we idealize? Yes. Not worship, but idealize. And again, we're, we're going back to, oh, well, they've had the name for 2,000 years, so they get to own it and define it however they want. No. Stop oh. giving them that power. There are certain connotations that go with, that would go with the name temple. And the, and the same kind of connotations go with the word marriage. And I have been in support of abolishing the word marriage and calling it something else. And I'm, and I'm in support of that here too. Let's not call it a temple. I'm fine with community center. I think you know, you'd probably say you idea. were fine with separate but equal then. I mean, yeah. why okay. give in to the haters? Here's an idea. A lot of the churches in town are having financial trouble. Why don't you just rent space from a church and gather there? I, I, I don't think we're talking so much about the, the logistics of this as right. much as, you know, and again, I, I, I will agree with you. Temple would not be the first name I would pick, but, but I don't just, think it needs just, to be dismissed. Just consider that the church in question is going to owe the fact that it's still open to the fact that atheists rent space. <laughs> This, I, I, I know you're making a joke, but this stuff already happened. Actually, I'm the not. Humanists, well, the humanists meet at a church. Okay. You know, yeah. so, the, you know, they have the spaces. They have the tax-free status to go ahead and do this easily, anytime they want, with about a million protections in the law that they get that we don't because we're running away from words that they claim to own. All right. Okay, we're well, going to move on. Just one little point. Uh, <laughs> okay. Mac, uh, to Mac's point, he didn't know if the guy was serious or not. He said half the funds have been raised, so I'm pretty sure he's serious about All putting right. in the temple. Well, I could say half the funds have been raised for anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the funds are going to go to what they've been raised for. It, it could just be a, a discussion point. It could just be, just could be to reinvigorate debate. But we have this secular hub coming here in Colorado. And, and right. this is on its way. That we've got the funding. We, we they got the last funder finally. So it, that's it's going to happen. We're going to have a space um, for for atheists and for seculars and free thinkers. So it's, so that's I'm not opposed to the idea. I'm opposed to the word temple. I really am. And actually, such way hubs. I do agree. Sounds a lot better. I yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I will agree with you. I, I think it was a very wise choice. I just think that we need to re- be very careful of running away from words. Their words are powerful. And you know, I, another thing that I found really interesting about all this was the, clarif- the 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 classification in the news that Dawkins and this guy were fighting that they were coming to blows. It was all of this very 
angry, violent rhetoric. And yeah. Dawkins basically said, eh, I don't like it. Doesn't sound like a great use of money to me. And it's yeah. once and again yeah. the way they yeah, use fine. words against us. I know, that is not a violent retort. That is nobody going to to call a jihad on anybody because uh, they disagree. But here's this the thing. was a disagreement. I know. Get over Although themselves. Although the uh, the idea of an atheist jihad is <laughs> kind of a compelling one. Oh sure. Listen, fun. the religious can have the word temple just like Canada can have Justin Bieber and Celine Dion. I think you should what? just be careful with what you give up. <laughs> That they keep letting them loose. They can have them, but keep them. <laughs> now we're going to move on to a special report from Ian. The benefits of porn. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think we kind of hinted a few times at yeah. the so topic here, for Here's tonight. what I, I don't understand, Ian, is that you called this segment the benefits of porn, but yet you only have one article that really talks about the benefit of benefits of porn, and it's a bullshit source. Okay, well... It's, there's a lot more to it, okay. but okay, you have something of a good point. Can but, we come back well, from this? Yeah. It's been a devastating blow by Brian. But it also <laughs> has to do somewhat with you what well, you decide to call porn. I've heard Playboy called porn, and I do have the two articles about um, what Hugh Hefner has done with Playboy, and, the, um, and I actually have also seen the movie they're referring to. But Hugh Hefner was huge on civil rights. Huge! Uh, he um was crossing boundaries um and really pissing people off he his show was be, not being aired in certain states not because of the sex but because he would have black and white performers performing together you know he he used his publicity from playboy to um you know go at, basically help the cause of civil rights the very last um interview ever done by martin luther king jr was in playboy you know he was the forefront you know, Playboy itself was really the forefront of civil rights, and actually even the women's movement, before the women's movement became what it was, Playboy actually was already doing a lot of the stuff the women's movement has now taken over. So Playboy itself has been very very beneficial to us society-wise. Okay, but how is this a benefit of porn? This is a benefit of an activist who happened to be involved with porn. But he, he was able to use porn in order to get the attention to it. Well, yeah, because he was able, because he had the money, right? But I don't. I'm not convinced that that is a direct benefit of pornography. Okay, then we have the um. Admittedly, it's from crack, but um, <laughs> crack is, is uh, we've talked about before. If if you actually look that stuff up, they actually are very accurate. But I, I um, you know, love the way they present it. They have the five ways porn created the modern world, and this makes sense. Um, it talks, I'm trying to remember all the ways, but one of the ways I remember was it talked about how basically the way you're using online credit cards, that came about because the porn site said, okay, how the hell are we going to make money? Home video uh, technology. Yeah. What? Home video technology is number five. Yeah. Um, right. Number four, porn major digital camera possible. And uh, number three, um, Glutenberg may have invented... The printing press, porn made it go. Okay. And let's see. What's the next one here? The internet, even more powerful by porn than you thought. Even more powered by porn than you thought. Sorry. Nice pictures. Yeah. Um, smut may help clean up the internet. Okay. So, I mean, there's something to be said here. I mean, certainly the pornography <laughs> inter- industry is big and they do 
and they do tend to push certain markets. Uh, I think that they, they did have a lot to do with the growth of the internet. Um, they, we know that, uh, that they had a lot to do with, uh, VHS becoming popular. Um, one of the reasons that Laserdisc, uh, at first they didn't allow porn and, uh, and that had, that some have contributed that to the failure of Laserdisc that they took so long to finally let the pornography industry come onto that. Um, you know, DVD sales took off be- because of pornography. Um, but it isn't just porn, but sure, they, they move the industry in some ways. So yeah, well, well, so sex- there's some benefits there to our economy. Sex in itself is a huge driving force for us. We are perverts. I don't care what, you know, you, you have a little old grain like, oh, you, you know, well, you know what? I remarked last week that everybody's a sexual deviant to somebody. Right. So, so definitely a driving force. You know, our our desire for it does drive us. It it does push us to you know find new ways to get it. I so, think the fact that we come from such puritanical roots in this oh. country, you know, essentially the uh, the pilgrims were so repressed based upon you know versus the other people that they were running away from and the pilgrims the pilgrims that we come from we're so we we come from such puritanical roots that i think that sex is if if anything more of a driving force for us than other countries because we've made it taboo and, and fetishism and everything else that comes with it is more of a driving force it 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 gets repressed on the surface and it comes out in other ways now I'm guessing the one you're referring you're referring to as being a questionable um, source is the one that actually says pornography has its benefits. Yes, from which uh, is an online yes. poll. Um, say okay. Uh, according to this, you know, once more, you know, I, I'll give Brian the questionable on this. It is a online poll. The incidence of rape in the United States has declined 85 percent last 25 years, while access to pornography has become freely available. Basically, suggest now once more. That's one of those. It's causation without correlation. Without correlation. Yeah. And, and that was, Pitt and Teller actually covered this as well, talking about how um, the states with the highest um, sex crime rate are the states with lowest access to porn, and just the opposite: the states with the highest access to porn are the states with the lowest um, sex crime rates. And they said, no, we, we're not going. We admit co- uh, correlation does not mean causation, but there does seem to be a pattern there. Let me ask this question real quick. What's the difference between pornography and erotica? It depends on the person. Actually, I've seen some people that would consider the Venus de Milo pornography just okay. because, you know, it's revealing. Um, I, I consider it art. And th- there's a lot of stuff like it. It's your perception. And that's uh, actually when we get to the other point of view. So of this, are, we running, are we running away from a word a little bit here, the word pornography? Well, well pornography... I've heard used to cover so many things that I don't necessarily agree with as porn. Um, so it, it, it's a hard one to really say, you know, where the lines are. A lot of that is your own comfortable level. You know, admittedly, with my boys, I have no problem with them seeing erotic art. But I've yet to put in a hard card porn movie for them. You know, if, if they go and they see uh, a picture of a naked dress, they'll laugh and say, oh, she's naked. And that I have no problem with. Um, but like I said, um, if they found my stash and started to watch one of the movies, yeah, I'd be like, wait a moment, guys, you're not watching that. So, you know, the, the level is, you know, the, there are people who won't let their kids see just the, you know, naked art because that would be too, you know, too much for the poor little minds. It's like, wait a minute, uh, my kids have seen it all, more or less. So I'm not too worried about it. 
And and some of this, I actually, I, I have some interesting points to make because we're going to do something cool. We're going to actually present the other side at the end of this debate. And I have a few okay. things. We're kind of going to present the other side. <laughs> no, no, I'll, we'll talk about right. arguments and the legitimacy of them. Okay. So okay. while I agree with Brian that the article itself has some questionable stuff in it, it does take a good look at the patterns that are there within the benefits of porn. You know, saying you know, and you look at you can read kind of decide for itself kind of thing. And then, of course, um, the next one is your typical ones that have been out there, using porn to improve your sex life. You know, that that actually has been a recommended thing. And it goes into, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, ways to do it. You know, watch and learn. Don't stare, participate. It's not sex ed. <laughs> you know, basically just saying, hey, you know, get, get ideas on what you can try. You know, the, porn does do interesting stuff, and if you have a partner who is willing to try stuff, you know, you can have a new connection through it, is the general idea of that article. Uh, I think we skipped one that I wanted to mention. Oh, of, I started off, um, the first one I put here was why conservative prudes still desperate to control its sex life. That goes into a lot, the, some of the possible reasoning behind why we have groups out there that wish to regulate um, our freedoms to in, in sex, um, you know, and that's always been there. What else do we got here? Oh, okay, um, this one actually I'll bring back up in our <coughs> in the counterpoint. But thirteen, <coughs> the thirteen smartest porn stars of all time. That was an interesting one. I did not know that Ron Jeremy was actually a teacher before he got into porn. And it goes over a lot of these porn stars. They have like master's degrees and such, but they actually say, you know what? I enjoy sex. I'd rather go and do the porn and make the money that way and have, you know, a lot more free time than to actually use my degree. So, you know, it, it, the porn stars are not these stupid girls that are just have nothing else they can do with their life. They are ones that have made a conscious choice that says, hey, wait a moment. <clears throat> I'd rather do porn than use my degree. Uh, the, after that, it was more of a fun one. Uh, basically, uh, Dennis Hoff is going to open a sci-fi-themed brothel in Nevada. Uh, Dennis Hoff is the owner of the Bunny Ranch, you know, the most okay. famous brothel. Thing. Yeah, and four and, other brothels. He, yeah. he, I guess I guess this will be his fifth that he's opening now. Okay, and, But this one's going to cater to sci-fi theme. Right. So it's like, ooh. Yeah, and Heidi Klum's Area 51 uh, Alien Cat House. Now that's. Yeah, that's something. I love that. Yeah. But, uh, and Heidi Klum is doing the costumes for this. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the Brian's already talked about this, um, you know, the format thing. Yeah, the the format wars. But the porn industry may decide DVD format war, which isn't too surprising. Right. I don't think it did, though. That, here's the thing old. is that I, I, I disagree with, um, with their premise that, um, that porn, um, actually, um, was the driving factor between Blu-ray and HD DVD. I, I, I think it was Sony. Um, Sony had the money to, uh, manipulate the industry and they did. They, they, it cost them a lot of money to make their format the predominant one. And I don't really think that porn had as much to do with this one as maybe it did in the past. So I kind of I, I actually disagree with the article. Um, I think it did uh, with Laserdisc and DVD, and, and certainly with uh, Betamax and VHF. There's a clear uh, causation there. Um, the clearest of of all of them, quite frankly. Well, plus, that's an old article. It was written before the format war was decided. That's true. 
um, I threw an article. I threw an article in there at the bottom, uh, which is a I would consider a benefit of maybe not necessarily the pornography industry, as the point you made earlier, Brian, but an uh, a benefit that's come to our life through Hustler Magazine, which is the fact that people doing parody and you know clear parody cannot be sued for damages right. based upon the parody. Right. And, and that's me, um, all because of that's all because of a case called Hustler Magazine versus Falwell. Right, that's Larry. Where, um, if you watch the People versus Larry Flint, they yeah. do that case in that movie. Uh, an interesting point in there also that the article made was that Flint and Falwell actually became friends later on, um, despite you know despite their opposing views, they they became friends and actually liked each other. So, although I think Falwell's isn't Falwell passed away or yeah, he's. He has thought so. So, all right. So, yeah. I mean, so it, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know that you that it is real clear. You know, I mean, is there some clear benefits to porn? And I, and I see what you're saying about Larry Flint and Hugh Hefner as activists. Um, I think the clear benefit, more than anything that could be a benefit of porn, the clear benefit is the benefit of free speech. Okay. The the benefit of being able to do. You know, I'm I'm going to throw a little bit of West Wing in here. They asked the president if he thought if he thought pornography was too wasn't too high a price to pay for for free for free speech, and he says, well, "I think five dollars is too much to pay for pornography." <laughs> but you know, essentially, the price of free speech is that people are going to say things, people are going to produce things, people are going to do things that you don't agree with, but. I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. All right. I'll take it. So let's move on to the Pink Cross Foundation. All right. Can't so, that. Now, we presented our, our, our you know, our, what we believe in just now, you know, the benefits porn. I, I think for the most part, we all kind of agree with what those articles were saying. You know, porn does have a power. It's not going anywhere. It, 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 people desire it. It's strong, you know, you can help your relationship with it, believe it or not, despite some claims. You know, and um, porn has been used to advance society, um, to help a, you know, with various, uh, First Amendment rights and civil rights, stuff like that. You know, it's definitely done stuff. So here's the other side of it. This is, um, a site, the Pink Cross Foundation. It is, what is her name? Um, basically it was started by a former porn star called Shelly Lubin. Um, and it basically, you know, is promoting the other side of things, the, um, negative aspects of porn. It goes into, um, the, uh, you know, uh, STDs, which isn't a big surprise to me. It goes into, um, a lot of other stuff like, um, women being tricked into doing sexual acts they actually didn't believe they were signing up for, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Um... And while, you know, I, I've watched some of her videos, I've read some of the, her claims and stuff, and I've looked at it, it's interesting um, what she has to say, and I believe she believes in it, although I, it's a very Christian group. One of the things they always push is how Jesus Christ will heal you and save you from it. Right. 
But let me ask you this. What, what exactly is their position on porn? Because I read their mission statement and it looked like it was just to help people who wanted to get out, get out. And it was, they were a faith-based organization. That's how I interpreted their mission statement. Not that they were necessarily completely well, anti-porn. See, are they? See, it, they are completely anti-porn. Okay. If you were to um, hunt down some of her videos. And it was, I have a problem with some of the stuff she says within her videos. That's okay. She That's says okay. that um, any woman in porn who tells you she wants to be there is lying to you. Really? Which I, I think there are a good amount that don't want to be there. But I, I don't for one moment believe all of them because, you know, you hear enough from it. Um, see, basically, um, all of the producers of porn are evil men. There was an interesting uh, one where she actually goes to a um, porn convention. And she's, um, she knows that the um, owner of Vivid Video will be there. And Ian, she only stops him. It's scary. Well, Ian, quick question. Okay. She did this, uh, this, the lady who started this foundation, she did pornography. Yes, she did about 30 movies, I think is what she claimed. Okay, she did 30 movies. uh, Did she get paid for them? Yes. Did she spend the money? Probably. Okay. But according to her, she was forced into situations she didn't like. She would, like, show up thinking she'd just do a simple sex scene, and it'd be like a um, gangbang that she hadn't agreed to. Um, Well, um, that's interesting. She felt like she she couldn't walk away. Apparently, she wasn't happy with the price. Yeah, there's something interesting here because... A lot of people don't like their jobs. Yeah. Right. And, but they go and do them every, every day. Is it, is it different because it's pornography? Well, actually, I, um, let me finish a few things. Okay. I actually have an interesting similar point to make about okay. exactly what you're saying. Okay. Great. But I'd like to save it for the end of this. I want to try and present her case first. Okay. Great. Another thing she makes. Um, she talks about the drug and alcohol use within porn. Um, and stuff like that. Although one of the interesting things, everything I've read, all the biographies he gives, the drug and alcohol use generally comes before the porn. They're already doing the drugs and alcohols before they get into the porn. But she seems to try and link the two as if the pornography encourages it. But generally, the, the main the main bio, um, biographies he keeps giving are these girls that basically came from broken homes, ran away, stuff like that, got into the drugs and alcohol, got into the party scenes, started to become strippers, prostitutes, and then ended up in the porn. And it's a pattern see a lot of these biographies follow, and she tries to make it sound like the porn caused the pat you know the problems. But I'm doing the biographies I kept reading sound like the problems were there ahead of time. They just found porn to be easy money, and yeah. so I, I I had a lot of problems with some of her reasoning behind it because it did feel like she was trying to use porn as the ultimate evil for it when in it's fact a know, hot button topic. And it yeah. gets her support. Right. And I don't necessarily disagree with her. I'm sure there are, you know, so people who are making point that force the girls to do all sorts of stuff they don't want to. I, I honestly believe they should be given the choice, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to do that sex act and opt out. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it is violating their rights, I think. You know, so I, some of this I agree with her. But isn't now, the other she, side of that, though, is that if, if they're constantly re, um, saying no to, to the stuff that's in the script, that they don't want to do that, they build a reputation of, right. you know, being, uh, not being willing to, to be a, you know, to. In which case, they're in the wrong industry. And right, sure. I, I've never heard of a case where a, a, a porn actress was forced to stay in the industry. They get out. They find they can't make as good of money, and they go back in. I've heard cases like that, but I've never heard where they said, hey, I I don't want to do this anymore, and leave and have been, no, no, you have to do it. 
Well, but here's so, the thing. That, I mean, that, that could very well have happened. Yes, um, and, but it, there, there's and, a lot of comparisons here being made to the slave trade. And yeah. I unfortunately don't know enough about the industry to know if any of these claims are, can be substantiated. And, and you know stuff like, was it Luna Lovelace? I yeah. think was the one. She Linda was, Lovelace. Linda Lovelace. Yeah. Like, she was forced to do, um, her, her famous point of Yeah. The deep throat. Deep throat. No, she did not want to do that. She was forced into it. That is well documented. Wow. And so. so we know that kind of stuff does happen. I, I'm not saying it doesn't. And then her other big thing is the um H the venereal diseases and stuff, the STDs. And I have a slight problem there. It's like, well, yeah, if you're having unprotected sex, you're going to get it. To me, it's almost like, uh, yeah, if, if you're really that upset over getting it, why did you, you know, do porn in the first place? If you're place? having you know what, unprotected though, sex I, with I, people who have it, you're going to get it. Here's the thing: yeah. is that this then this is an issue of, so, of regulation because they should be being watched for these right. kinds of things. And and, and that um, you know, there, there are um, porn companies that say we will, um, you know, all our sex scenes use condoms. Some people have a problem with that. I don't completely understand. I actually did put an article up that I forgot to cover, talking about um, I believe it's Los Angeles is basically has a law going into effect that will require condoms in all porn films, and a bunch of the porn studios are claiming they'll just leave. I, I think that's a bit overreaction. You know, the, the, the styles well. You know, we'll see what happens, but. The point I've seen with condoms hasn't affected me because that's not what I'm most interested in. <laughs> you know, I, I actually kind of like softcore porn to some extent because I don't have to look at the guy's thing. I have no interest in looking at a guy's penis, really. In my Harry point, I must prefer watching movie. Porn. <laughs> so well, I, I, I do actually find softcore porn all more erotic to some extent that way because I don't have to look at the guy's stuff. Um. So, but okay. So that's her case, and that's what I thought of it. Now, as Brian mentioned, you know. He, he wanted to look at this as a job. Okay, what is the difference between porn and football? In football, the, these guys basically are hired for their bodies. They are told, that, in fact, they are forced to, you know, endure quite a lot. I mean, you know, the, the training camps are pretty much endurance. You know, you run so much in that stuff, you, you know, beat each other up. You know, they get injured all the time, constantly, seriously injured. And you could even, you know, although nowadays death isn't that common, but you could legitimately die on a football field. You could. But one big difference is that if you show up on the field in a pair of fishnets, people (laughs) are going to look at you strangely. Yeah. Yeah. But the main difference is the morals behind it. You know, you look at the two, they're both jobs, they're both well-paying. If you do good in football, either one, you could make it big. You can be famous, get a big name, but you're going to be more respectful for football when it's just as much just as much selling your body as porn is. Okay. Well, any I, any I, job you do that has any physical component to it whatsoever is selling your body for money. Yeah. I, right. I do think that though that doing pornography is different. I mean it's certainly it's a sexual act and whether we like it or not, we have a stigma towards it and we need to be conscious of that. And so I, I made that point but re- realistically, I really do think that it that it's different than just going to another job that you don't like because you are because of the stuff that you are doing. I do see some differences. Okay, but like I said, th- there's a certain level of one of the reasons it's like that is because of society. We have it's given it the word. We have made it that way because our society has decided that that's immoral. Those are wrong things to do, and well, we see that on on the other side, though, Ian. We 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 talked earlier about the fact that sex is very much at the core of our being. 
Right. It, it's one of the things that is that does make us human and makes more humans. And to trivialize something that that's that is that important and turn it into a profession maybe is something of a uh, maybe is something of an offense in and of itself. Wow. <laughs> what? Uh, well, but in that case, most entertainment becomes that. I mean, you know, uh, romantic comedies are just as offensive. They're taking something like a, you know, real relationship with another person and trivializing it. Yeah, that's a so, good perspective. You know, if we look at it that way, the majority of our entertainment falls into that category suddenly. You know, we, we do trivialize a lot of serious things about humanity. So, in our the, the problem is not that porn should have X ratings. The problem is that everything else should have X ratings, too. <laughs> Uh, if, if you're viewing um, the, the level you int- just introduced porn as being harmful, yes, because like you said, you know, our entertainment does trivialize so much. But here's the thing: is that if if these people are doing this willingly and they're doing the scenes that they want to do, I don't have a problem with it. Right. But if people I, are being asked to do scenes that they are uncomfortable with, then that's a problem. Right, I, I agree. That that was one thing that I did side with Pink Cross Foundation on is some, you know that type of stuff taking place is wrong. That is crossing the line, and but and you know the argument obviously is well you don't know what girls are are stuck in that situation. What all right, but the point's already out there. It's not going away, and I, I do wonder if the Pink Cross Foundation has a problem with these um, husband and wives who are doing internet porn. You know, just the husband and wives saying, "Okay, you want to watch us do it? We'll let you." <laughs> You know, I, I I can't think of a single thing wrong with that, but I bet the Pink Cross Foundation is against that because it is important. All right. So well, do you got a final point here because we're because we're we're out of time. Um. Well, the the main point is, you know, obviously, I believe there are benefits to porn. I do know, you know, I, I do understand there is some evil to it, but we as a society demonize it to a, a irrational level. And, you know, we've talked a few times before in this episode about, you know, the prude ideas that have kind of dominated the birth of America, and I think they're still there, and they do, you know, cause more harm than good there. case. All right. All right, guys. All right. Well, well, thank you for let's joining. Call it a night. Yeah, let's call it a night. And I guess our next podcast is going to be Right to Die. Isn't that no, right? I, yep. Science of Sci-Fi. Oh, Science of Sci-Fi is next. Okay. Science of Sci-Fi and then The Right to Die after All that. All right. So next week, or not next week, in two weeks, The two Science weeks. of Sci-Fi. All right. Anything else, guys? I think we're good. Well, do you want to talk about the breastfeeding real quick? No, nope, we're done. Okay. We're, we're done. done. All right. <laughs> good night. Time is good night. up. Our hour good is night, passed. Good night, everybody. Good night. No more. All right. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 